sacrifice to God, which brought him God's disapproval of him as king, Saul began to resent David as he saw his popularity grow. Now, this is weird because that's his son-in-law. This is his greatest warrior, but he started to resent and hate him. Now, this isn't unheard of. The faithful, those that follow God, have always been hunted by the unfaithful. It started with Cain and Abel. And the fulfillment, I believe, is reached with Christ Jesus, God himself being crucified. So the main point, as I said, is to remain confident in God as we go on an unknown path, a dark road, and we don't know where to go. Now, the previous chapter will we'll be in 1 Samuel chapter 21, but the previous chapter talks about Jonathan, who was Saul's son. Now, him and David are best friends. I mean, a love that they share for one another is a love that we as a church should show to one another as believers. And I mean, it can only be accredited to their love of God and God reflecting that love and showing them how to love one another in a godly way. And so Jonathan and David cry on each other's shoulders as David knows that he's about to leave and depart and go into the wilderness as a fugitive. So that's where we're picking up from. So in chapter 21, 1 Samuel... Verses 1 through 9, the word of God says this. Then David came to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech came to meet David, trembling, and said to him, Why are you alone and no one with you? And David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has charged me with the matter and said to me, Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. And the priest answered David, I had no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. If the young men had kept themselves from women. And David answered the priest, Truly women have been kept from us as always when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more today will their vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread there but the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord, to be replaced by high bread on the day it is taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. His name was Doeg the Edomite, the chief of Saul's herdsmen. Then David said to Ahimelech, Then have you not here a spear or sword at hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business require haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom he struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. You will take that, take it, for there is none but that here. And David said, There is none like that. Give it to me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Pray that you be with us. As we listen to your message, in your name, in your son's name, amen. So David arrives in the city of Nob. The city of Nob is referred to in the next chapter as the city of priests. And so you had the city of priests at one time, which was in Shiloh. Now I'm going to give a lot of details, but it makes sense. It ties in to the story. So Shiloh used to be 
the city of priests when Eli was there. But Eli and his sons die, and the Philistines come and capture the Ark of God. This is when Eli dies immediately after hearing of the news. Now, Ahimelech, <clears throat> he's referred to as the priest, but he's now the high priest at this time. And, and with Ahimelech as the high priest, he has a great lineage. So he's the great-grandson of Eli. He's also the brother of Ahijah, who is the chaplain or minister of Saul, the man who's hunting David. And he's also the father of Abiathar. Now, in the Gospel of Mark, when Jesus brings up David being fed the holy bread, it is referred to as Abiathar being the high priest in those days. But that's not exactly the case because Abiathar doesn't become the high priest until after his father Ahimelech is killed by Doeg. And so, I mean, I mean, a lot of the writings in the Bible may mention names like that, but it's referred to as a proleptic writing to anticipate events as if they have already ha ha happened, but they haven't quite yet. So that's, that's just a background story for, for that. Now, Ahimelech sees David, and he's trembling. He's like, what is going on here? Why is the greatest warrior in Israel walking here alone? And so he approaches him. You can tell how anxious he is because his question is, is a repetitive nature. He's like, why are you here and no one's with you? Okay, why, what is the issue here? And so we go on to the next verse. <clears throat> Chap I, mean, I mean, verse two, sorry about that. And David said to Ahimelech the priest, the king has charged me with the matter and said to me, let no one know anything of the matter <clears throat> about which I send you and with which I have charged you. I made an appointment with the young man for such and such a place. Now, we got to ask ourselves something. Why would David lie to Ahimelech? I mean, this is a high priest. Why didn't he come to him? I'm on a run from Saul. Help me. Help me. Well, two possibilities. Like I said, this is the brother of Ahijah, who is the minister of Saul. And also, I think David in his character was trying to care for the high priest by giving him plausible deniability with Saul. <clears throat> so if he gives him this, then Saul can't kill him, but that's not the case. Unfortunately, David puts everybody in harm's way in Nob. And, and it's unfortunate because he meant to do well, but a lot of us do that and it ends up being bad. So we go to verse 3. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. And the priest answered, David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread if the young men have kept themselves from women. Now we shouldn't look at the women part as uh, relations in marriage being less than holy uh, because in order to establish the Levitical priesthood, you had to have a bloodline. So the priests had wives at this time. There's nothing in the Bible that says the clergymen are to be abstinent from women. That is not biblical. And so you have this holy and common language, which a whole sermon is required when you have what it means to be holy and what it means to be common. And then you have common, which breaks down into clean and unclean, 
and then you have the unclean not being synonymous with sin. So this is why I'm saying I need a whole sermon. So I won't go in detail with what that all means. But Ahimelech is basically just making sure that David is ritually clean and not like he's morally unclean. He just wants him to be ritually clean. And Jesus endorsed David eating the bread in the Gospels, and he put it in a way of God's grace and mercy being shown more important than ritualistic laws because the Pharisees were real big on ritualistic laws and not showing God's love and mercy and grace to the people. So we go on to the next verse, verse 5, And David answered the priests, Truly, holy women have been kept from us as always when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more today will their vessels be holy? Now, the vessels is definitely euphemistic in uh, language. Uh, we, don't, we can connect the dots on what he's referring to when he says vessels. Uh, war was considered sacred back then, and so a lot of men of war would be abstinent when going on a journey in the ancient days. So David's like, always holy. What are you talking about? Anytime we go out. So that's what he was implying there. Now going to verse 6, it says, So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread there but the bread of presence, which is removed from before the Lord to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away. Now the bread of presence, it was in a, a temple of God. It was positioned on a golden altar, and there were 12 loaves of bread, two rows of six, Each loaf of bread had about 12 cups of flour, and it was to symbolize the 12 tribes of Israel. A lot of 12s in in there. God works in that that way. He's really big on uh, numbers and perfection. And so we have the holy bread, which was to only be eaten by the holy priests. David and his men don't qualify to eat this holy bread. But some of the scholars think that the rules might have been loosely applied at this time, but I will give Ahimelech credit that he doesn't refer to the holy bread as common bread. And so he still makes sure that uh, the Lord is worshipped in the way that he ought to be. And now, verse 7, it just stops, is a break in the passage because we're now introduced to Doeg, Saul's man. And so we're, the readers at the time would have known, like, okay, there's something important about this, this guy. Now, the truth about him is more revealed in the next chapter. And I want to read some of that because I think it applies to what the message is here and why David should be cautious about this Doeg guy. And so if we go to chapter 22, starting at verse 11, this is the story of Doeg massacring the city of Nob, all based off this event here. So starting at verse 11, in chapter 22, it says, Then the king sent to summon Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, the priests who were at Nob, and all of them came to the king. And Saul said, Hear now, son of Ahitub, 
And he answered, Here I am, my Lord. And Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, and that you have given him bread and a sword, and have inquired of God for him, so that he has risen against me, to lie in wait as at this day? Then Ahimelech answered the king, And who among all your servants is so faithful as David, who is the king's son-in-law and captain over your bodyguard and honored in your house? Is today the first time that I have inquired of God for him? No, let not the king impute anything to his servant or to all the house of my father. For all your servant has known nothing of all this, much or little. And the king said, you shall surely die, Himelech, you and all your father's house. And the king said to the guard who stood about him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David. And they knew that he fled and did not disclose it to me. But the servants of the king would not put out their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. Then the king said to Doeg, You turn and strike the priests. And Doeg the Edomite turned and struck down the priests. And he killed on that day 85 persons who wore the linen ephod. And Nob the city of priests he put to the sword, both man and woman, child and infant, ox, donkey, and sheep, he put to the sword. But one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the priest of the Lord. And David said to Abiathar, I knew on that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I've occasioned the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me. Do not be afraid, for he who seeks my life seeks your life. With me you shall be in safekeeping. So that's a heavy passage. Um, you definitely see the guards of Saul knowing just how holy that the priests are because the priests intercede for the whole nation of Israel. They bring sacrifices. And so they are very important to the Lord. But Doeg, as you see, is nowhere close to loving the Lord. He, he not only kills the 85 priests, but he goes to the city of Nob and kills every living creature. So this is who Doeg is when we are introduced to him in chapter 21. So going back to verse 8, Then David said to Ahimelech, Then have you not here a spear or sword at hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the, the, the king's business required haste. Now, David went from requesting bread to now requesting a sword or a weapon. He knows who Do, Doeg is. He's like, all right, do you have anything here that I can protect myself with? And, of course, it's also interesting that, that David says that he needs a sword because he had to leave in such a hurry. But there's a contradiction here because if he said that he's been abstinent from his wife, as he always is, how is he able to leave without his weapon? Ahimelech seems to miss this contradiction. But moving forward, we see in verse 9, And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom we struck down in the valley of Elah, Behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind an ephod. You will take that. If you will take that, take it, for there is none but that here. And David said, there is none like that. Give it to me. 
I like how Ahimelech gives a quick history lesson <laughs> about the sword as if the person of said story is not standing in front of him. Um, there's also some, some scholars who believe that Ahimelech is somehow warning Doeg about who David is as, as a reminder, sort of like, yeah, that sword you got when you kill Goliath, you know, like, don't mess with him. But I don't believe that he knows any of this because as we saw in the next chap- chapter, he says that I do not know much or little about this. So what can we learn from this chapter? Well, we can learn that David, the victor of a great battle against Goliath, found himself being hated on account of his righteousness. And through the turmoil, found himself once again holding the same sword, which brought him great honor and victory in the first place. Do we as followers of Jesus Christ find ourselves running back to the same sword, the word of God, that brought us victory over sin? Jesus is the great victor over sin and death. Do we remain confident in him when fear grips our hearts and we don't know where to go on a dark road? Fear itself can be a hard lesson. It can be hard to learn from a student, any student, as we see this with David, who at one point in time was this great victor over Goliath, who is now in fear. His very first incidents while being on a run involves him deceiving Ahimelech, and the massacre of priests, women, and children, and even animals are put to death because of this deception. What I find interesting is that David never seems to ask of the Lord what to do after leaving Jonathan in Gibeah. Many times in the Bible, reference is made to David asking the Lord where he should go and what he should do. This chapter doesn't mention any of this. Now, argument could be made that Saul said Ahimelech acquired of the Lord for David after asking for bread and a sword. And that Ahimelech admitted to doing this like many times when seeing David before. First of all, Saul is highly paranoid and thinks David and Ahimelech are plotting to take his throne. Second off, Ahimelech admits to not knowing much or little about this drama. He might have inquired of the Lord for David to have a safe journey on the secret mission that David himself lied about. Some may place the blame only to Doeg and Saul, but we as people, we must hold ourselves accountable to the choices that we make. David did. If we look at chapter 22, verse 22, he says, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of your father's house. This is what he tells Abiathar. To say that David holds no blame at all is to ignore his deception to Ahimelech. We often make excuses for our choices, but many times the fault begins with us for not inquiring of the Lord. If you're a human, you have experience doing this. If we believe we haven't, we are deceiving ourselves worse than David did Ahimelech. But thank the Lord for his grace and mercy to forgive us when we fall short. He still used David in a mighty way. And he can still use us in a mighty way. I pray you forgive yourself for all the bad choices that you have made in life. 
because the Lord Almighty has forgiven you through faith in Jesus Christ. May we treat God's word, our sword, like David did Goliath's sword when he says that there is none like it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. May you be with us. May you encourage us and bring us confidence. When fear strikes us, may we look towards you, Father. May we think about your word 